Hello, and uh, thank you so very much for inviting me to be with your community today. I, um, I'm going to be a little all over the place because the song Smile um, and the greeting that I witnessed you giving each other, um, actually, I, they're, they're all over the place because I was planning to say things that work very well with those. Well, I've made notes. You might have seen. So... Um, I'm Jamila, and yes, I, I come from the world's oldest profession, storytelling. <laughs> what did you think I'm, you, no, storytelling, you know, one person would see a thing and then run off and let everybody else know what had happened, and people would get it wrong, and then the person who originally saw it would have to say, no, wait, what I said was... And those who help us to make context, bring context rather, make meaning, find meaning, and understand stuff, um, were the first storytellers. Now we call ourselves journalists and we have checklists and we try to bring standards and ethics to that which we do. But um, we're not that dissimilar from the person who said, yeah, 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 I heard what you said, but I can tell it better. (laughs) The comedian has been as integral a part of our culture and our society as our priests. Now, um, my mother really, really gets upset when I say that, but it's true. It is true. She's, uh, uh, let me talk a little about my family. So I, I come from, I come from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Ghost Dealers. We, anyway, just, just saying. Um, my father was raised as a black Muslim. Uh, he, he was a follower of the Honorable Minister Elijah Muhammad. Um, he didn't practice by the time I was born but we still didn't eat any pork, and that was just wrong, because I didn't know about bacon until I was 30 years old. <laughs> no, that, that's just, that, that. my childhood was lacking. <laughs> my mom was uh, a Southern Baptist, you know, that church founded on that venerable institution of uh, that peculiar institution of slavery, but again, mom doesn't like when I bring that up, so she's not here, ha-ha. Um, but she was raised as a Southern Baptist. All of her family are Southern Baptist, and uh, about the time I was old enough to enroll in the local, uh, the local Catholic school and get the parish discount, the one true faith of Catholicism made sense to mama, and uh, we converted. So uh, I was raised Catholic. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was um, it was hard for me because I, I kept I had all these questions and I would ask and I was told have faith and I would get thrown out of religion classes all the time and um, it, it you know things just didn't make sense to me and. Uh, f- in the, in the 80s, some of us might remember that everything, everything was stand-up comedy. All the, all the networks had a comedy show. All the, all the clubs had a comedy night, and stand-up comedy was everywhere. And I started to understand the world by looking at these people 
who saw the absurdities in things. Um, when George Carlin explained that you're not supposed to go to school to learn, you're supposed to go to school so that they can tell you what to think, so you stop thinking, I said, I'm not a troublemaker, I'm a comedian. <laughs> My teachers may have disagreed with that assessment, but... You know, I hadn't gotten far enough in school to learn further. So, um, but for people of faith, and for cultures that embrace coming together and figuring out the world and learning about the world together in community and having these standards and these you know doctrines and dogma to help them get through it. It works. I mean, some people find that humanity's first attempt at at understanding itself, this stuff we call religion and religious ideals, um, it it works for them. But for those of us who don't feel home there, who don't get it, who keep getting thrown out of religion classes and take it as a, well, you can't answer my point. Concede it, I win. Um, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of confusion and for, and for a social creature such as a human being, it can be a very lonely place. I don't think it has to stay a lonely place, however. I think that they're just hadn't been a thing to come along for me that made it all snap into place and make sense. Here's disclaimer number one. Oh, boy, this was a hard week for comedy. This was a very hard week for comedy. This was a hard week for me to be writing this speech because um, you may not have noticed, but I am black. And I come from a heritage and a tradition where uh, folks who look as I do have a saying, you laugh to keep from crying. Uh, clearly, we ain't the only ones. I mean, I, I, I can go on and on about how every group on the planet during the darkest, most hopeless of times have written plays sung songs, made little childhood clapping games about what was going on. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down is not a happy time when everybody's dying of plague. Back to the middle 80s, though, everybody's, there's all this stand-up comedy. I'm finding that my prophet, George Carlin, is really teaching me a lot. And uh, depending on how deeply asleep my parents are, my other prophet, Richard Pryor, on <laughs> stuff you don't understand at 12 that you go, wow. I don't, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Anyhow, when the Cosby Show came on to the scene, and Americans who looked as different as Americans look, and Americans who come from all stations on Thursday nights would sit down and see the humanity in people distinct 
from themselves, who could laugh at the girl who was so smart but would come home with C's and D's because her paper in it, she'd write, well, she read the book. She knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) When the son who gets his ear pierced and tries to hide it by wearing big headphones with no music coming through them, gets laughed at. These are things that are universal. These are things that help us understand family and community and all of this stuff. I tried to change those references to family ties because that came on at 8.30 on Thursday nights, but um, Alex P. Keaton just didn't... um, (laughs) makes me want to talk about politics, and I'm not going to do politics on a Sunday morning. Um why so many people are crushed that, you know, after, I don't know, 40-plus years of allegations, an unsealed deposition of Bill Cosby is now making people go, well, you know, 50 women, they weren't all lying. Hmm." I, I can only make pudding pop jokes to get over that because I will cry otherwise. However, at that particular moment, that particular touchstone in American culture, Americans really started to understand one another better. The idea that people who look as I do can be doctors and lawyers and have goofy, silly kids who are great and you wouldn't mind spending time or dating them because Malcolm Jamal Warner is really, really cute. <laughs> and I can only, I mean, Lisa Bonet, wow. I, I, wow. And then her daughter's even prettier, but, you know, half Lenny Kravitz, you're going to get that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just, it's an amazing thing. And as we look today and, and we say, yes, Um, It's so important that we make sense of our world. It's so important that we do it together. It's so important that we understand one another because when you understand people and when when people are your friends, it's hard to drop bombs on them. It's hard to write policies that disenfranchise them. It's hard to hear them screaming, I can't breathe, and you don't care. You do care because... When you share a laugh, as uh, another great prophet, Roger Rabbit, once said, a laugh is a powerful thing. When people come together and have shared experiences, be that a church service, be that a sporting service, be that, uh, you know... A comedy show, when you get a group of people together who have the same response, the same emotional reaction to a thing at the same time, it's a powerful, powerful event. It can be used for greatness or it can be used to march people into camps. It stems, though, from the same thing, that common factor of we 
are one. We feel this way. We see this thing. And as someone who doesn't have any faith community that I hang out with, though, you folks are really cool, and I, I <laughs> like, I'm, I'm shocked. Okay, so here's, here's, here's where I go off script again. <laughs> um, Eddie Izzard, uh, one, of, one of my favorite comedians, uh, dressed to kill, you should see, uh, I'm, see, I told you, I've never in my life been told to get closer to a microphone. My, my, Peter Piper, okay, I'm good. Um, Eddie Izzard, a British comedian known for being a cross-dresser, though lately he's worn man clothes, whatever those are. Um, <laughs> he, he does a wonderful long bit about um, why are white people's religious services so dour and boring. <laughs> no. He, he, you know, hops around and sings gospel and he goes out of, out of enslavement and oppression and rape and subjugation. You have these wonderful, you know, eruptions of joy on Sunday mornings and then you go to, I, I guess he must, he's British, I'll stereotype that he's Anglican, I don't know. Um, you know, and he, he sings, you know, we have, hallelujah, hallelujah, love, joy, yes, 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 you know. And, um, and, and I love that so much because I was raised in a black Catholic tradition. So, yes, we had the robes and the pageantry. And, the, and I'm also allergic to incense. So, like, that, like not going into churches with incense is also not hard for me because my eyes don't weep. It's wonderful. Um, but uh, St. Benedict the Moore Church, where I spent my formative years, uh, I used to love to bring anybody who would come with me to church because it was shocking to a lot of people that our, you know, offer each other a sign of God's peace. You know, in most churches, most Catholic churches, it's peace be with you, peace be with you. And now we'll go to Sister, you know, um, at St. Benedict the Moor, everybody got up, went into the aisles, and literally kissed everybody else in the church. It took 20 minutes at least and, I mean, in the days before everybody was doing this to show their affection to one another, um, you actually got to press the flesh with other people in your community, see how this one's doing, and, oh, aren't you so big? And, you know, some kids would have these cheek marks pinching things at the end. It was, it was just wonderful. And, uh, and to see that here today, I'm like, wow, you, you know what you're doing. Good on you. Um, you know, uh, the commonality of being together, the response of, of sharing a feeling, it, it's so essential. And it's something that is just, I argue, more necessary in this world. And we, I think we just haven't made that connection as strongly as I would like to see it be made. Um, when you have all of these studies upon studies, and I, I know this crowd gets studies, we're not going to break down cohorts, but when you, when you see that so many Americans get their news from one place or another, and where Americans get their news is going to inform the way they legislate, the way they vote, the way they spend their money. Um, when you can bring people together and say, you know what, 
we are more similar than not, look at how much we have in common when we are sharing moments. We are sharing laughter. We are sharing experiences. John Stewart, Bill Maher, Larry Wilmore is getting up there. He's getting there. Um, but the newest guy on the scene, Hannibal Burris, the comedian who uh, did the Bill Cosby raped people joke that brought about this uh, downfall of the cause and all of his ugly sweaters. Um, these are all people, hold on, Liz Winstead, because women are doing it too. The, the co-creator of The Daily Show is a woman. So, you know, uh, I haven't, I, anyway, that's a feminist rant. I'm not going to go on. Um, but these are people who are saying, hey, let us look at this thing. Let us look at this moment. Let us look at this time. Let us understand it. I'm making you laugh at the same time and driving it home because when we laugh together, perhaps we come to a greater understanding in some ways. When we laugh together, when we share that communal feeling, that emotional response all at the same time, I would argue that that's real similar to what I was taught is worship. I was raised by being told wherever two or more gather in my name, there I am. But, you know, you put on a Richard Pryor album and uh, get three people in a room, uh, that's a church service for me. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Rudolph, get your monkey. Um, (laughs) I could do Miss Rudolph, yes, yes, yes. yes. The voodoo conjure woman in New Orleans. Um, We have so much to enjoy. I mean, we are carbon-based life forms on a pale blue swirling dot hurling through space and time. And we only get 80-ish years here. Why don't we want to feel as good as we can while we explore and while we learn? When we consider that there really are no individual stories, every experience we've had can be understood by another carbon-based life form on this swirling blue dot. When we laugh about it, when we sing about it, when we write poetry about it, or make documentaries and write news stories about it, we are actually engaged in acts of creation, acts of bringing about something greater from very little in many cases. And that's an amazing thing. It's a thing that we should be delighted to do more of. I, um, I really cannot say enough about the song Smile. Uh, Charlie Chaplin, interesting guy. We know him as the tramp. We love him as the tramp. Um, but that's a really great piece of music. 
Smile though your heart is breaking. Smile even though it's aching. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. When things are bad, when you don't understand, when you need meaning, it's not a platitude. That song is not a platitude. It's not saying, oh, well, smile and be happy and all will be well. It's saying, smile through your tears and sadness. You have to look to the things that make you happy. You have to look to the people around you. You have to look to those common touchstone things that can bring you through those dark and lonely moments. Who expected a silent film star to be such a philosopher? Okay, true, he didn't write the lyrics. We we do know that. The lyrics came from... Did, did, did you mention the lyrics came from Modern Times, the movie? Okay, very. I love people who do their homework. Yay. Yay. Makes my, I'm, you know, so we, we are at a point in, in, our, in our country, in our culture, in our world, in our history, in our existence right now where you can be led to believe that everything is crazy and everything is bad and the world is just awful and there's nothing to do but cover yourself up and wait for global warming to take you out or the Monsanto people and, not, and you know, big pharma, they're coming for you. But perhaps... As court jesters of old, somebody, someone, something that can make you sit back, relax a little, laugh about a thing, and put it into perspective is a way to realize I'm not alone. Other people have done this, and yeah, that is really silly. And, yeah, you, somebody wants to be president said, if, he, if she wasn't my daughter, we'd be dating. That's creepy and that's weird. But if you think about it and go, and this person is polling number one in North Carolina? That's funny. I can't do, it. I, I can't do nothing with that. Comedy, storytelling, laughter, they bring us together. Even for such as myself, a loudmouth, godless heathen who loves the Steelers. The closest thing that I personally think I can get to a true communion is a shared belly laugh with a whole bunch of strangers such that years later to say a phrase elicits a response. Um, it, it's a fun thing, and when it's done right, it can be amazing. Dough! <laughs> I rest my case. Thank you for having me.